Welcome to the Challenge Solutions Podcast. Today, we're going to be having a conversation about our personal experiences in math classes. We all have different levels of vision and different experiences, so hopefully this will be helpful for any blind student or TBI that has a student in a math class, and we're just going to get started. So we're going to start by telling you a little bit about our personal experiences. So I'll go ahead and pass it off to Caitlin, and you can start with that. So my name is Caitlin. I am totally blind. I'm currently a junior in college. I have been in math classes all the way through pre-cal, but math has always been a huge struggle for me. I'm not confident in my mathematical abilities really at all. Um, I wasn't given a strong foundation in Braille math. We tried to do it all auditorily and because I was lacking some foundational skills in terms of visualizing problems on the page and working them out by hand. I think it really kind of set me back a little bit in terms of mathematical ability. I'll pass it off to Cole. Yes, so I lost my vision. I'm completely blind, but I lost my vision in eighth grade uh, in junior high school. So that was right in the middle of algebra one for me. And I math wise have math has been one of my strong suits uh, throughout high school i took uh, six math classes in four years up until uh, ap calculus bc um, but i had uh, wonderful teachers um, that really helped me learn everything auditorily and i was a very visual based learner And so a lot of my teachers were able to help me uh, construct those visualizations uh, in my head really well. And I was able to, uh, to thrive under that. Yeah, that's really good. That's just one example of how much a teacher can really impact you. And for me, it was kind of the same thing. I have some residual vision. I can see shapes and colors. So I do have a little more of the visual aspect of math, but I also have done all my in Braille kindergarten, I had a TVI who had me setting up math problems on the Perkins in elementary school, and that really helped me out a lot when it came to college algebra. I am currently a senior in high school, and I've taken geometry, algebra one, algebra two, and college algebra. I don't have plans of taking any more math classes, but I do tend to do fairly well in them. So uh, I really think it was having the good teachers and people to push me that got me to that level. So now we're going to kind of compare and contrast our experiences in the classroom versus what we did for homework and then what we did for standardized testing. So we're going to go ahead and start with kind of what we did in the classroom, meaning how did you get your work done? How were you taught? What format did you receive your lessons and instruction in? And we'll just go from there. So Caitlin? So for my elementary school math experience, a lot of it was done auditorily, but we also used a lot of manipulatives. So we used primarily a math window, which is a magnetic board that has tiles that have print and braille numbers on it. And my teachers would set up math problems and I would work them out on there so they could see me solve them and I could get a grasp of how the problems were set up. 
which works in theory. It was super helpful when I excelled in math classes up until fifth grade and then realized that I was setting them up and working them out on that board, but it wasn't really giving me a solid foundation of how they should be worked out on paper. And I was still relying primarily on audible feedback and giving my answers auditorily. I would also sometimes work the problems out on the math window and then type them out on my laptop in um, a, just a word document to submit to the teachers to negate the need to have the teacher sitting right there as I worked them out or the need for a TBI to transcribe them. So it worked up to a certain extent and then fifth grade came along and I realized that I was actually lacking in some areas and we transitioned to doing more braille and um, I was getting assignments given to me in braille on paper so that I could see them written out and then I was still doing a little bit of work on the Perkins but primarily still using the math window with the sided math teacher and typing them on a laptop. Um, then in sixth grade, it was a little bit different because they were working more out of the book than they had in the past. And I just had a braille copy of the book that I was reading out of. And then I was again, still giving the answers in a word document and then seventh grade hit. And I realized that I was still very behind and I started really floundering in my math class and my TVI intervened and said, okay, you're not touching a computer for math for the rest of this year. You're going to do it all on a Perkins. And that's what we did. I read the problems in Braille. I wrote the problems in Braille. She transcribed them and I turned that into the teacher, which I think is the best way to do it. That's what I did for the rest of high school until I got my Braille Sense Polaris. And then I was still solving them on a Perkins because I needed that reference for how they were set up but then I would take the pages and type them on my Polaris and submit that file to the teacher so we didn't have to wait on the TBI to transcribe them. So I know Macy has a somewhat similar experience except she did primarily Braille for the rest of high school. Macy do you want to give your experience now? Yeah so I did Braille from kindergarten up until I took college algebra and I will do it if I end up taking any more math classes just because I like the visual layout and I'm a very tactile learner so the page. Um, in kindergarten through seventh grade, I used a Mountbatten Braille actually to braille my math on the page and work out the problems. Fortunately, because I had all that foundation, I was very math-minded. So in the eighth grade, I was able to transition to doing all my math on the BrailleSense U2. That did have a lot of issues, but it was nice because I could work the problems on and then, like Caitlin mentioned, just send that file over to the teacher. But I will say that when you do that, you lose a lot of that visual aspect. Fortunately, I, I had that foundation, so I was able to use that, but that can definitely be challenging for some students. And then I got a BrailleSense Polaris, and that's what I used for Algebra 2 and College Algebra. So my experience in the classroom uh, differs pretty heavily from Caitlin and Macy, and that's largely due to the fact that I uh, had vision, at least enough vision to uh, use in uh, complete print assignments, uh, printed assignments. But in eighth grade, when I lost my sight, my uh, teachers and I really didn't know what to do at the moment. 
just because you know we obviously hadn't prepared for it. It was quite uh, sudden. And so what I ended up doing is I sat next to my teacher in the front of the classroom while she gave her lesson. I just listened and then she would instruct the class to complete a uh, in-class assignment and she would come over to me and she would work on me one-on-one auditorily tell me the questions and I would verbally go through my answers and she was able to tell me if I ever got anything wrong which is extraordinarily helpful because if I ever did anything wrong she would immediately tell me and I'd get that immediate feedback of if I misunderstood something and if I ever have a question I could ask her and she was always right there to to help me out with it and so I was able to excel in eighth grade and then I took my tests with a para who read them out loud to me and then I would speak out loud my answers and she would write down what I said and then going into high school I continued with uh with that formula of not sitting next to the teacher, but I would listen in class and ask questions just generally, which I feel like is something that's extraordinarily important for any blind student in any classroom, but especially with math, because when a teacher is saying what's on a board, it can be very hard to keep up if they aren't very descriptive with the problems, uh, parentheses, and what is outside of a fraction or inside of it can can be very confusing. And so it's always important to communicate with your teachers what you need in terms of them describing the math problem. In as for manipulatives, I use wiki sticks a lot, especially in geometry, of course. Um, those were really good in helping me figure out uh, things like angles and to kind of work problems out in my head with, you know, angles that are equivalent and then opposite and kind of, you know, fill, filling in those puzzle pieces. And then obviously as I moved higher up in math into uh, Algebra 2 and pre-Cal, um, graphs uh, became obviously heavily prevalent and those wiki sticks really helped give me that visual aspect that I needed. Um, and it was very important for me. Uh, up until calculus, into all of that. Up until calculus, I was able to just listen in class and ask questions when I needed it and then take tests uh, and do well. But once it came up to calculus AB, tried to listen in class, ask questions, thought I understood it, got my first test back and it was like a 70. And so I, uh, I knew that that would not work for me. Um, so I ended up coming into school uh, an hour early every other day to study one-on-one uh, with my math teacher, and that really helped me uh, increase my understanding. So my experience is very different because I had that visual aspect up until eighth grade. I knew uh, what things looked like, so when I lost my sight, I was still able to visualize it and see it in my head so I could set up all these problems. And so I think that was extraordinarily beneficial for me. Yeah, I think having that visual feedback or foundation is super important. Like a lot of Braille readers, if you lose your vision early in life or if you're blind since birth, you don't really get that foundation. And Braille, even if you're doing it all in Braille, it can look different sometimes like fractions in braille are horizontal so Mm -hmm. 
even if you're doing that, you have this sort of disconnect between what the teacher is saying and what you are seeing on the page or not seeing on the page in some cases mm. in terms of like graphs, if they're not exactly represented in Braille as they are um, on the board for your class, you can have a little bit of a disconnect. So it's super important that you understand how it's laid out visually on a print page and like the terminology that's used to refer to it. And then also how you're going to see it in Braille because even if you are using say a math window, I've had this experience before a sighted teacher would take the math window and make fractions like she would write them on the board vertically. Mm. And that didn't make sense to me because that's not how I saw it in the book or on anything that my TBI would give me. And it caused this like disconnect. So I had to do like multiple, I guess, layers of conversion to make sense of what people were trying to say to me and then what I was seeing on the page and then figure out how to write that in a way that the sighted teacher would understand. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that you get that foundation and you understand the terminology and then also how to write it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. I never even thought about for me, since I know how things are visually set up when the teacher's uh, describing a fraction other than a few minor details of like parentheses and what's inside and outside of it. Um, I'm generally able to see that problem and understand it. Um, but obviously for most Braille readers, when it's set up differently, it's hard to actually even just follow along with some questions that she's doing on the board because a lot of things are set up visually in math, especially when it comes to uh, things like fractions and what numbers above and below what. And so having to convert from what the teacher's saying to what it would look like for you to doing the problem and then to reading it back to her, setting it up in a way that she would understand, um, obviously seems very convoluted and can just seems to slow you down and get in your way. So I get that. Yes. And I will say that as I moved up through school, I started seeing more more braille fractions set up vertically so like they would have the numbers and then a dotted braille line with the fraction open and close signs and then the denominator below that line so it was more visual i'm not sure if that's something that was new with ueb math and that's why they started doing it or if that's just something they did because i mean once the numerators and denominators get so big you start losing track of even where you are in the fraction because you know the only thing separating the numerator and denominator is one little cell of a dots three four so that can be really confusing but definitely a good teacher is key you can have the most math-minded blind student ever and if no one teaches them and explains them and describes math to them they are going to struggle so all that said what did you guys do as far as doing your homework or in those times when you didn't have that teacher there with you to work one-on-one -on -one and help you with those problems. How did you guys navigate that in school? So I actually did homework pretty similarly to how I did in-class lessons. I was kind of on my own for in-class assignments. I didn't do a ton of one-on-one -on -one with math teachers until I got to seventh grade and then again in ninth grade when I went into algebra one. But I would basically do the same thing. I would solve it 
then it was primarily Anna Perkins. And in seventh grade, I solved an Anna Perkins, took the paper to a TBI, and she would write it out. And it was good because I was getting practice solving them, but it was also kind of detrimental because there were times where I would solve them incorrectly for like an entire chapter's worth of problems. And then I would ingrain that incorrect habit and take it to the TBI and she'd write it out. And I wouldn't get feedback on that until maybe two weeks after the fact, because the teacher then had to grade the transcribed paper. I only saw my TBI two days a week that year. And I sort of ingrained those habits and it wasn't good. I think that's a big part of why I struggled so much is because I would do the wrong thing and she would give it back and tell me to do it over. And by that point I'd already forgot what I did and what I was supposed to do because we were two lessons ahead in class. Um, so that was a huge detriment. There were also times where I would solve it on a math window and have someone watch me do it. And then I would turn in pictures of those problems depending on what we were doing. I think factor trees were one where I did it that way. I would send pictures of the math tiles to the teacher. And then as I advanced in class, um, all the way up through pre-cal, I would solve it on a Perkins and then type it out myself to cut out the middleman of the TBI transcribing it and submit the files to the teachers. So for me in class, when it comes to uh, homework assignments, I did a lot of the things, as I had mentioned, when it came to calculus and, uh, and calculus BC, it's really hard to do on my own, even if um, my teachers would send questions to me. When I would come in an hour early before classes, a lot of times that was when I did essentially what was homework. It was practice problems to uh, further my understanding, and it was good to have uh, her there, of course. But before then, and outside of those one-on-one -on -one times with my teacher, I would always try to find other students in my classroom who are willing to start a, uh, a study group to where we would go over practice problems and we would all work them out. And so we're all able to bounce ideas off of each other. And if one person didn't understand it, somebody else could help. And study groups are just generally uh, a really incredible resource that is usually really helpful when it comes to, because one person may understand something a different way than you do, and it can be easier for you to understand, and it's good to get different perspectives on, on other things. And if somebody in your group doesn't understand something that you do understand, um, you can teach it to them, and, and teaching a subject to somebody really strengthens uh, your understanding of that subject. So group uh, working through homework and practice problems and one-on-one -on -one with my teachers before or after school if I needed it uh, were essentially how I did most of my homework and out-of-class assignments. See, I guess that's one difference between doing your homework auditorially versus doing it in Braille because for me, and I think for most Braille readers, it would be very hard for us to keep up in a group setting like that because Braille takes so much more time than print, your classmates might be working through the problem and they might be finishing it and you've mm -hmm. just now figured out what you're supposed to be doing or <laughs> read the entire problem because it's just such a slow process. Mm -hmm. But I definitely agree that working as a group gives you so many more opportunities and especially teaching other students how to do it and trying to figure out how to explain it and put what you're doing into words can be very helpful. For me, I, like Caitlin, I did most of my homework alone 
I did it in Braille, but fortunately I did have my TVI as a math teacher for the first five years of my education. She pulled me out of math class because she knew it was going to be very different for me. And so she really ingrained those foundations in me. And then when I moved up, it was easy for me to pick up what was happening in class and apply that and do it at home. And of course, I always had her there if I did have questions about what we were doing. So that was really helpful for me. And then, of course, like Caitlin said, when I started using technology to do my math, it was so much better because like she said, you get immediate feedback from your teachers as soon as you turn in an assignment. So you're not doing an assignment and then waiting two weeks to realize that you did the entire thing wrong. And because math is so structural, like everything is thing to do applies something that you've done before, it's really important to have that feedback so that you can continue to follow along when the class moves along. So moving on from that, what did you guys do as far as standardized tests? I know that Caitlin and I both took our ACT tests in Braille, but Cole, I know you did yours auditorially as well. So tell us kind of how that was different for you. So for me, having my, my test given to me auditorily, the reader in the classroom obviously would uh, read me my questions. And then I also had the Braille copy uh, when it came to uh, figures or graphs that I needed to understand. And it is definitely uh, really advantageous, of course, because it's the same way that I learn math auditorily uh, with a teacher. Um, there, obviously, you know, I still had to run through it all on my own and uh, type in everything on the TI-84, the talking TI-84. But one of the things that I ran into with that is time-wise, even though I had triple time, the first time I took the math portion of the ACT, uh, I thought that I had so much time. So there was a question that I thought I might be able to get if I just had enough time. So I sat there for way too long trying to work it out. And it ended up coming back to bite me towards the end of the ACT. And so in the future, on my math portions of my ACT, whenever I saw a problem that I didn't think I could do immediately, I would skip it. And that, I mean, increased my, uh, my math ACT score by uh, a couple of points even. Uh, just time management is really important. And especially for me, because sometimes it would take a while for me to really understand the problem and I'd have to hear it many, many times, the problem itself, so that I could really uh, get all those numbers in my head and remember them all. And so I have to ask, hey, could you repeat the question? Could you repeat the question? And so sometimes uh, that would get me in a time crunch, but I ended up starting to figure out after my couple more times of taking the ACT. So how was time management uh, for you, Caitlin, since you were doing it all in Braille? So I had sort of a similar problem. Braille takes longer. Like it might take you an hour and six pages to solve one lengthy algebraic expression. Mm -hmm. So I really struggled with time on math and I was reading it all in Braille, solving it all in Braille, and then reporting my answer choice back to my TBI who my TBI proctored my test and she would put it on the answer sheet so it was kind of a struggle with time because I am on the higher end in terms of speed of Braille readers. Like I'm a decently fast Braille reader if I'm reading silently, but a decently fast Braille reader is a lot slower than a reasonably 
fast-sighted reader. So even with that extended time that they give you, it was still a struggle to make it in that time frame. And I think that did lower my score quite a bit, which I struggled anyway, because I'm not necessarily a math-minded person. I'm a writer, not a mathematician. So I was struggling anyway, and then trying to keep up with it, read everything, write everything down, solve it, make sure I check my work and all that. It just, I, it was a struggle. I barely finished it in time, both times, and then didn't really have time to check much of my work. And also what caused me a problem was there were a lot of graphics on my math test. It was both times I took the ACT, I got a bunch of like 3D representations of shapes on the page and it was geometry and trigonometry stuff. Mm. And I've never understood those. I don't understand how lines on a page relate to the size of a three-dimensional figure, even though I've had my TBI show me multiple times how it relates to the sides. I just, I've never grasped it. So I've really struggled to try to process that and then figure out what I needed to do to solve it and then read it again and make sure I did it right and then report it back to her. So time was a huge problem. Yes, I had a similar experience. I finished test both times I took it, but it took me, I think I had three hours and I finished in two hours and 59 minutes, literally. So it definitely is very time consuming when you take the test in Braille because you have all that. And like Caitlin said, trying to figure out how the lines on the paper relate to a three-dimensional shape, that was something that I did grasp in the classroom. But when you take the whole 3D shape away and you're only looking at those lines on the paper and that's all you have and you have numbers floating around, trying to figure out where they go to or charts and graphs with keys that are on separate pages, and just crazy things like that. It really does eat up a lot of your time just reading the test and trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. So just like you said, Cole, I would do every problem that I knew I could do. And then if I thought I could do it, I would give myself about my estimate of five-ish minutes to solve that problem. And if I didn't know it, I would just move on to the next time. Mm-hmm management is just so important and even finishing your test it's better to finish and to know you did everything you could do than to not finish it all so in closing do you guys have any advice for students in math classes or students who are preparing to take the standardized tests do you have anything you would say to them to maybe help them out so my advice to students who are in a math class and maybe if they are struggling or they're preparing for big act I would say to them, number one in class is absolutely to ask questions or even if you need to set up a one-on-one time with a teacher, even if it's not a regular thing for you, if you just need it once because there's this one subject that, uh, that you've been struggling with, I think teachers are really a great resource and it may take a bit for them to give it to you in a way that you understand but once they do i think it's really advantageous to have have that teacher there with you one-on-one even if it's for a short amount of time because if you're ever doing something wrong uh, they can help explain to you uh, that it is and what you can do to to fix that and then for preparing for the act i'd say number one is uh, time management because no matter how 
smart you are, if you don't have enough time to do the problems, you're still going to miss them. So time management, if you see a question you don't immediately think you can solve, move on. And I really fought that the first time I took the ACT. I was like, I've got plenty of time. Let me just, I'll work this one out. I just, I, I got this one. I can do it. And, and then I would come to, you know, <laughs> question 15, I've got five minutes left and there's still 10 questions. So it really doesn't, just doesn't work that way. So it really hinders you if you spend too much time on a problem that you might not even get. So be sure to take every question that you think you can get immediately. Caitlin, any advice? Yeah, so I'm going to agree that um, talking to your teacher is imperative, especially in a math class, but really in any class. As far as ACT goes, time management is a huge thing because I can sit, if you give me 45 minutes and a massive problem, I'll solve it and it'll be right. But trying to read and solve all that in the five minutes that you've got allotted per, for each problem, it. I really struggle with that. So I think having a timer when you're doing your practice problems can be very valuable. I did that the second time I took the ACT while I was practicing. And then also something to keep in mind, if you are like me and you are lacking foundation and you just, you're not a math person, your math ACT score isn't everything. It is a huge part of everything, but it's not everything. It's, really not the end of the world if you don't score a 36 in math. So I think it's important to understand that if you don't quite make it on your math score, but you get the scores you want in every other department, then it really isn't the end of the world. And that's the case with any aspect of the ACT. It's not the end of the world. You can still go to school and get scholarships and beyond college, no one cares about your ACT score. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think we put so much emphasis on standardized tests, and you should just know that as a blind student, you are not really on a level playing field with your sighted peers. There are always going to be problems that are very visual, and just do not beat yourself up if you don't have the score that you want. That being said, some things that I did that really helped me were I got the Braille ACT practice book, and it has or test in it, math, English, science, and reading. And I did every problem in that book. And that really helped me. I went over them. I went over them with a teacher to make sure I did them correctly. And it, number one, gave me a good calculation of what I should expect when I take the test as far as where my score should be. And number two, it made me very familiar with the layout of the test and the content that I might see on the test. One more piece of advice also, if you are not math-minded, or even if you are, I used my TI-84 calculator for 90% of the problems on that test, because even though I could have done them on paper or in my head, it's so much faster to just use the calculator. So I recommend becoming very, very familiar with the TI-84 calculator, because it can really save you some time on that test that you might spend working those problems in your head or on paper. Back to the in-class setting, I agree with Caitlin and Cole, both asking questions and advocating for what you need is probably the most important thing that you can do for yourself as a math student or really a student in any class. I took college algebra online, but I would not have passed that class 
had I not asked for help and gotten things explained and had that one-on-one time with the teacher and with a math teacher at my school that was very willing to help me out. You are not incapable of doing math because you are blind, but if you do not understand the concepts and you allow yourself to sit in class and fall behind, you will pay for it later. It will hit you hard on the tests and it will hit you hard when you get up into college algebra and higher level math. Does anybody have anything else they want to add before we close? Um, I do want to add, not specifically related to that, but we have another video specifically directed at math teachers up on the Challenge Solutions channel already. It'll be linked in the show notes of this podcast. So if you are a math teacher and you do have a visually impaired student, we have that for you as a resource so you can see how to make a more inclusive environment in your classroom and specifically improve the setting for your blind or visually impaired student. We have some advice on how you can tailor your class to them and better prepare them for higher level math and the test in order to negate any of the problems that we've mentioned in this episode. Yes, I strongly recommend checking out that video if you are a math teacher. And if you are a student, we should have some math videos coming up that will explain some of the simple basic concepts if you are falling behind like so many blind students do. So keep an eye out for those and definitely check out that Tips for Math Teachers video if you have a blind student in your classroom. So I think that about wraps up this podcast. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on whatever podcasting service you're using. Also, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future videos, you can leave us a voice message through the Anchor app, or you can contact us via the contact form at challengesolutions.org. We will link that in the show notes. Keep an eye out for more blog posts, podcasts, and YouTube videos from Challenge Solutions. Thank you for listening. Hope to see you in the next Challenge Solutions podcast.